BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello there, humans. Welcome back to the Schmozone podcast. This is episode number 58. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. My co-host is... Helen Yee with Helen Yee Sports. And we are back here in Las Vegas at the temporary Schmozone studio. But the real Schmozone studio is coming along nicely. And like I've mentioned before and Helen's mentioned before, it is well worth the wait. Yeah, so thank you for kind of traveling with us in a way, whether we've been on the road, right? Like last week we were in Philadelphia and then the week before in Budapest and then now back in our schmo zone our schmo zone um we got a great show today we have the outspoken paulie malinaji the former boxing champion the broadcaster he's always got a lot to say we'll play that shortly but let's talk about today's sponsors today's show is brought to you by egg weights i love these things they mold right to your hand they got the grips which are fantastic this one's about one and a half pounds and they're great for shadow boxing exercise for hiking and hey we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of joe frazier muhammad ali the first one and it's boxing we have Polly malinaji why not have egg weights very well said. And why not get your own egg weights if you haven't yet? I mean, they are a game changer, like David said. It's also good for, and I mentioned before, like P90X. I still use them. It's great just to do any type of exercise with having weights in your hand and ones that, that aren't like bulky where it's going to like be a distraction for you. These literally go here so you don't have to hold it the whole time. You feel the weight. And they're fantastic. Check them out at eggweights.com. Use the promo code SHMO10 to get 10% off. And the other sponsor of today's podcast, talk about it all the time as well. In fact, we drink it during the show, uh, Fusion CBD products. And right here I have my Fusion CBD sports water. Love drinking this stuff. Love all of Fusion CBD products is CBD. It's great for recovery. They have their sleep and recovery. They have their hydro drops, which I put in the morning coffee and just basically everything that you could think of CBD. They have their gummies as well. Check them out at FusionCBDProducts.com. Use the promo code SHMO and you will get 20% off. Well, it is your birthday week, David. I think I briefly mentioned that before. But um, yeah, we have a big week coming up. Uh, some big interviews lined up. And it's another... Big fight weekend with Leon Edwards making his return after not being in the octagon since July 2019. And we caught up with Leon Edwards yesterday here in Las Vegas. But before we get into my birthday weekend, which I don't even want to talk about, uh, let's talk about some UFC 259 quick recap, right? I know uh, the first thing that comes to mind is Aljamain Sterling, Peter Yan. I know Aljo put on his podcast on the Weekly Scraps kind of a rundown or reflection of how everything went down for him. Um, you know, you have your thoughts. I have my thoughts on it. Do you want to say yours first or do you want me to go first? 
I think you should go first because I want to follow up with some thoughts. Yes, of course. I You always make me go first with that. Uh, bottom line, um, rules are rules. And uh, he had an illegal knee and Peter Yan lost the fight. With that said, this is such a rare situation because it's a title fight. There's a lot of money on the line. There's a huge reputation on the line. Um, love the idea of them fighting again. Immediate rematch, must had everything going on with it. You could see the situation where Aljamain felt a little awkward even taking the belt. And he's posing pictures with the belt because he's got his family and his friends all here in Las Vegas, flying from Florida to New York. Everyone expecting him to just come home and have this great celebration. And then with the way the fight ended, it kind of dampens the mood and everything like that. This is the best case scenario for Aljamain Sterling in the sense that he was losing this fight. Uh, Peter Jan was going to win this fight. Um, Aljo wins this fight. He gets the money. He's going to get to rerun it back with Pewter Yawn. He's going to have to go back and look at the film and see everything's where he's going to correct himself. But at the same time, Pewter Yawn, he's got to have confidence going back into this rematch. And if you're Pewter Yawn, you got to feel pretty good about it. I guess my overall two cents is I wouldn't have been upset. And the rules are rules. So it is what it is. This is all water on the bridge. But if there was no champion right now, but you make it so this immediate rematch, the winner gets the championship bout. So right now there is no UFC Bantamweight champion. Because of the implications of a title fight and how this all went down, really didn't see it forthcoming. Um, I wouldn't be upset if there was no champion. But at the same time, rules are rules, and this is what you have. Maybe it could be that way going forward if they decided to switch things up and how to handle something like this moving forward. But look, your pewter yawn, <laughs> you need him with his knees on the ground. It's against the rules. We've seen this before. It's not the first time it's never ha- it's ever happened in the UFC. Heck, I even brought this up with Leon Edwards because his first professional loss, he was disqualified for something very similar in a fight that he was winning, and he was disqualified and got the loss. He even understands. So, anyways, that's just my overall two cents, but it was a great night, a fantastic oh night, probably the most stacked fight we've ever seen in person, fight card. It was amazing from top to bottom. And as far as what you said, I can see where you're saying where you wouldn't have been upset if no one walked away with the belt. But again, this is such a rarity. This doesn't happen in a championship level fight. You don't expect to see this from the defending champion at at this level. So it is what it is. The rules are the rules. But yeah, my two cents was, look. No UFC Bantamweight champion right now, but this is the match that happens and the winner gets a vacant UFC Bantamweight championship. And at the end of the day, Pewter Yawn, what he did was illegal. So either way, I mean, he should have known the rules. Yep. Rules are rules. And that's, it is what it is. Uh, Did you have a favorite fight though from UFC 259? A favorite fight? Man, you know what? I would say the main event. Jan Blahovic and Israel Adesanya. I know we got a chance to catch up with Jan uh, after he weighed in and obviously the day before he fought. But um, I thought that fight was really good, even though he went in as an underdog once again. But I think he probably proved to everybody now to stop counting him out. And the way also that Israel handled his first pro MMA loss. Like I've always had so much respect for Israel, but my respect level for him gained that much more after seeing how he was and how complimentary he was of losing to Jan. And you nailed it right on the head. He he always says, keep that same energy, keep that same energy. Well, guess what? Israel 100% 
walked and talked exactly what he preached. And he kept that same energy in the post-fight press conference. You wouldn't even know if you didn't watch the fights if he was the loser of the fight because he was the same person, very charismatic. He took the time and he held his head high. And that's why he is a champion. And don't forget, he's still the reigning, defending, middleweight champion of the world. What was interesting, too, is he's not going to rule out fighting again at light heavyweight. And I imagine if we see him again, not if, but when we see him again at light heavyweight, he will make the necessary changes. And for everyone who thinks they're just going to be able to grapple with Izzy, um, it's, it's a little bit different when there's a 20-pound uh, difference in the middleweight division and the light heavyweight division. So I think Izzy will bounce back just fine. And I was very, very impressed with that. And by the way... I was very, very happy that Jan Blahovich kept his promise and the schmo got to touch the bracelet with the lucky rope. That was cool. It was. I filmed it. Have you uh, noticed any powers yet? Or You know, uh, maybe the schmo will develop some of that legendary Polish power. It will be useful in the future. Hint, hint. Legendary schmolish power? Schmolish power. Look at Helen just making... The good, the good rhymes here, the good basis. Also, because yesterday was International Women's Day, I have to say, in that co-main event, Amanda Nunez proved once again she is the GOAT. And I think even overall, one of the GOATs, right? That's right. And uh, actually, yesterday, that's why I did a Schmozone quickies with the girl who called her out, Juliana Pena, in the Bantamweight division. She was fired up. She was ready to go. Uh, both mothers talking about International Women's Day. And, uh, you know, International Women's Day, got a great photo of you on uh, Instagram that I posted on the story. And it was great. And uh, th- that was a good time. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, what was your favorite fight Besides the ones that we spoke about uh, at UFC 259, uh, I also have to add Kai Car France, his comeback. Well, Kennedy's comeback over Carlos Olberg. The prelims, I think, stole the show. But Kennedy, what he did, just taking punches when he was defending, you know, he was covering up and Olberg was throwing shots. And then, man, he pressed him against the cage. And now that striking battle was amazing to watch. And, um, you know, shout out uh, Fortis MMA. Yeah. You know, that was uh, <sighs> Safe Sahud. And I know, and I believe Uriah Hall was in his corner, too. Uh, shout out to those guys. He kept his composure. And that was a clinic that he put on uh, with those combinations to get the win. That was my favorite fight. Yeah, there were so many great ones and performances. Euros Medic, yes. forgot about him too. That kid, it, the lightweight division will be a problem. He's now, he's from a, or Serbian, was training in Alaska, just moved to recently his camps, Kings MMA. Kings MMA. Uh, Rafael Cordero, I mean, you got Marvin Vittori, Calvin Gastelum in there. Chris Cyborg trains there. He's training with killers now. Um, that kid is a problem in the lightweight division. Remember that name. And speaking of that lightweight division, what about Islam, right? Islam dominated the way he said he would dominate. Um, Habib, look at his him jumping up as the chairleader, as the coach yeah. in the corner. Um, man, I, I'm just, I look at that team and, and Coach Javier Mendez, the formula that they have going on there, it's like they are... It's like, in a way, they're building that New England Patriots, Bill Belichick-like dynasty. That, that, you know, that's how I feel when I see those guys comparing it to the NFL, which is a huge sport of uh, football, American football. Love, love watching it. 
love covering it. So that's my comparison. I feel like that team is like the New England Patriots until Tom Brady left last year and won the Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, also uh, hard to argue with you on that. But Dominic Cruz back in that win column. Interesting call out afterwards. I don't really want to touch on that, but um, nice to see him back with the W. Absolutely. Um, you know, the the older guys still have it. That's my takeaway. And, you know, he's in his mid-30s. Jan Blahovich is 38. You pointed that out to me yesterday. I think that's big. Uh, so then let's let's segue then right into some boxing stuff. Yesterday, Triller made a huge announcement with the Ben Askren-Jake Paul fight. That's going to be in Atlanta. Um, you know, I know before the fight, we will get interviews with those guys. We will find a way. Uh, we will take a trip. We will travel. We will make it happen. And that's why I'm excited to talk to this guest, uh, Pauly Malinaji. We always have colorful interviews. I have not interviewed him as myself, only as the schmo, but uh, he only gives great interviews to us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to talk to Polly. And then lastly, I will say, because earlier we touched on interviewing Leon in his fight this weekend and his opponent, Bilal Muhammad. Yep, interviews. Um, not sure if, if you're watching this, the Bilal Muhammad interview will be up or not, but stay tuned if it isn't. And uh, I'm just excited. March 13th fight card. Yes, it is on my birthday. You brought that up. No better way to spend my birthday than inside the Apex watching a great fight card. Yes, doing what we love and covering what we love. With the person I love. So let's get right into it. Episode 58, the Schmozone Podcast with Pauli Malinaji. She's like, I haven't seen one of those since the 20th century. <laughs> it's the first time we're doing, uh, I guess, just vertical at the front. It works. Well, because not to put you on the spot, Polly, but because he has an Android, so the phone just, you know, doesn't rotate the other way. I don't understand this. I don't understand. Why. Maybe there's an option somewhere. Let me see. Let me see. What about this? Let me see. No, that's the other. Nice That's- tour of your car. Like instead of uh, this way, can you flip it this way? You try, but it just it just flips him. Oh, so the Android just flips. It just you. flips the him, yeah. No good? No, no, the other way is better. It's all good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. All right. Episode 58 of the one and only former boxing world champion, Paulie Malinaji. I'm not in character for the podcast. <laughs> What's going on? great to catch up up with you where are you right now because we noticed the bmw you're in your car yeah i'm in my car i'm in new york you get yourself on the winter hat we have to wear the winter hats in new york Uh, let's get right into it there's some crazy stuff going on in the combat sports world today is a huge announcement on triller with ben Askren. And Jake Paul, they're going to be fighting actually in Atlanta in the Mercedes-Benz uh, Dome where the Atlanta Falcons, uh, wow. they play their professional football, man. What do you is make Georgia, of this whole thing? Is Georgia open to the, to the fans? I believe it's going to be open to some fans. I don't know exactly how many, but I think fans will be there. That's nice. I mean, it's nice so that some other states are opening up to these uh, sporting events, you know, because so far, it's I feel like uh, 
Florida and Texas stole the show from all the, all the other states and all the other places. So it's nice to see that other states are getting involved. Um, hopefully it's a great show, you know? Well, what do you think of this type of a uh, event where, you know, Jake Paul, a YouTuber turned pro boxer? I mean, would you call him a pro boxer? And then fighting Ben Askren, who comes from the MMA world with a wrestling I mean, background. Here's the thing. I mean, I, I, I actually went, went over this, uh, with all people already. Here's the thing. People have an issue with Jake Paul making money in boxing because he doesn't have the, the background that everybody else has, right? That, that the people have worked so much harder, they've accomplished so much more, and they're so much more talented than he is as far as where they are in, this, in skill level, where they are, what level of boxing they are. Um, and and I, I get that. I understand that. Um, it's, it's sometimes unfair to think that somebody who dedicated their whole life to boxing is not making the same money as a guy who just arrived on the scene. I get that and I understand where that's coming from because I, I, you know, obviously you put in a lot of work to get compensated for what you do. But the other side of this is, you know, if you're generating all the money and you're putting the asses in the seats and you're getting all the TV ratings, you're the one who's got to get paid. Because if somebody puts on a show and you bring in all this money into it, somebody's going to get that money. And if it's not you, it's going to be somebody who's not deserving of that money. You know, so the only, the only problem if there's a problem is with the fans who watch it then. If that's the problem, then if you don't watch it, this, these kind of shows can't generate that kind of money. So obviously there is enough appreciation for it to where, to where the money shows up. And if the money shows up, then Jake Paul has to get this money because it's because of Jake Paul that it's happening. And that's the issue people have to understand. I get that he's not as talented. He's not as, as, as high up on the pendulum as somebody who's dedicated their whole life and is world-class and all that. I understand that completely, but if he doesn't get the money, if whoever's putting on the show gets the money, the promoter gets the money, somebody gets the money, it's like, it's still wrong. It's wrong. It's like, it's not like, it's not like just because Jake Paul brings in all this money and he, you don't pay him what he's, what he's bringing in that somebody else more deserving, uh, quote unquote, more deserving is going to get it. The promoter will just get the money. You know what I'm saying? To me, not to bring politics into it, it's like when, when, when people who aren't making a certain amount of money are happy that the, ta the rich get taxed. Like, yeah, that's what they get. You make like that's going in your pocket. That's going in the government's pocket. You know what I'm saying? You're not getting anything out of it. You never get anything out of it. So, so when the money has to go to the right place, it's got to go to the right place. And I feel like if Jake Paul is the one generating this kind of money, then Jake Paul deserves this kind of money. Because it's either going to be Jake Paul or it's going to be the promoter putting on the show that's going to get the money. Nobody else is going to get that money. But it's going to go in with somebody's pocket. So for me, it's got to be in Jake, Jake Paul's best interest to get the money. If he stops generating money, then that's, you know, the people, then the, the, the fans will speak that way. You know, they don't watch, but obviously they watch. So there's not a problem. I don't have a problem with him making this money. Now, does he have to raise his level of game? I mean, Jake Paul is kind of stuck in kind of the middle here because he's not just your average celebrity anymore, right? He's like, he's good. He's like, he's learning boxing. He's been boxing two years. So you can't just put him in with a regular random, a random celebrity, right? You can't just put him in because he'll, he'll end up beating those guys up because they, they just started boxing. So you got to put him in with somebody who's got at least some kind of experience, you know? So you put him in with a YouTuber like him. So you're both YouTubers. You have no experience. He beats up that guy. And you put him in with a former athlete who wasn't a fighter, but he was a pro athlete. So, and he knocks that guy out. Um, and now you're going to put him in with a former fighter, you know? And, and that's it, right? I mean, uh, you're, I guess that's, that's kind of going along the line of, of, of progress, do we call it? I don't know. So where do you put, or where do you rank rather, Jake Paul's boxing skill set right now? He's working with BJ Flores, who's well known in the boxing world. Where would you put his skill set, I guess, in comparison to professional boxers? 
Listen, I think he's working with a great guy. BJ has always been one of the smarter guys in boxing. I won the I won the U.S. championship championships with BJ in 2001. He won them in his weight class. I won them in my weight class. So I've known BJ for a long time. I know he's got a great boxing mind. Um, and he's always had a great boxing mind. Even as an analyst, when he worked uh, for NBC Sports Network, you could see that he had a great boxing mind. So, so I, I think um, Jake is in is in good hands as far as having not only somebody knowledgeable, but also somebody young enough who can be hip and cool enough to kind of be around him and. And he doesn't have to think like, oh, this guy's old fashioned. This guy's all, all too much of an old timer, you know, because because Jake is kind of a new generation kind of guy. So I think the marriage works well. But I think Jake, at the end of the day, is still your average guy who's been boxing two years, where a guy who's been boxing two years does know some boxing and he's got some skills against an average person. But he's still only been boxing two years. You can't really compare him to somebody who's been uh, who's got uh, who's got a um, more. Uh, more more layers to their game. You know what I'm saying? I can remember when I was boxing two years. I, I started boxing in 97. By 1999, I had, I was pretty good. But, you know, I still had a lot to learn. But I was already pretty good. So Jake is, you know, I think he's he's where he should be for somebody who's dedicated himself and has been boxing two years. And, of course, you mix and match that with the, with the, um, with the, the promotional aspect of it that he's able to generate. And, of course, you end up with, people probably thinking he's better than he is, which is fine as far as his marketability is concerned. But in reality, I think he's where he should be after two years. So you can't really match him against somebody too all that dangerous just because you don't like that he's making this money as a boxer when some other boxers aren't. You know, I think Askren is good progression because Askren is technically um, uh, an ex-fighter now as opposed to just an ex-athlete. Um, he was a great wrestler from what I hear, but his striking was like, I think from what I've seen, like some of the most pitiful in, in combat sports. So, and you're forcing him to use what he's not good at as for, as opposed to what, so you can technically call him a fighter. Personally, me, anytime you get knocked out in less than five seconds in any fight, you lose the term, you lose the, you lose the ability to call yourself a fighter ever again. So I don't think Bastion can ever call himself a fighter ever again. If you get knocked out in less than five seconds, you can never be called a fighter again. I mean, even if you fight, he, you may be somebody that fights, but you're technically not a fighter anymore because you, there's no no fighters get knocked out in five seconds or less like he did. So, so he Jake Paul is fighting somebody now. He went from YouTuber to ex-pro athlete to fighting somebody who fights. He's yet to fight a fighter, but it's progression. Yeah, Ben Askren, he's a world champion and uh, one championship and Bellator. He's an Olympian. Obviously, like you just mentioned, he's not known for his hands. And I can only imagine he's going to try to dirty this thing up, go do some dirty boxing, get him in the clinch, put his head down in the back of his head, you know, to tire him out. How do you see this thing playing out? Because, you know, Jake's going to go in there and try to be technical and try to box with him. And Ben's going to try to muddy the waters a little bit. I think, yeah, I, I can see that happening. I, I just, I, I just think that Ben still has to figure out how to close the gap. And when you close the gap with boxing gloves on, when you get close enough, you can't grab anything, you know, because, you know, you can't, you can't grab a hold of anything. So even if you try to close the gap, you still have to figure out how to punch your way in or how to not get punched on your way in. And when you get there, you have to figure out how to make sure there's enough space for you to do land damaging blows and you're not just smothering yourself, you know, because, you know, all that wrestling and, and pushing your head down kind of stuff will only go so far if you muddy the water as long as you're able to score some nice shots, you know. Um, you can frustrate, don't get me wrong, but I, I still think it's among the most basic things to learn to fight at a distance. I think one of the early things you learn as in your boxing, um, in your boxing uh, graduation towards higher levels is you learn to box at a distance first. And so I think Jake understands, if there's anything Jake's going to understand, especially with BJ training, BJ was a guy who fought at long distance. It's that, it's that to know how to maintain and, and maximize the effect of the shots at long distance. So 
is does ask is Ashland going to figure out any creative ways to close the gap? Because you have to figure out a way to close the gap in order to muddy the waters. And I just don't see that. I mean, this guy. I mean, you saw his reaction with Masvidal when he got kicked in the head. I mean, Masvidal just rushed him, and he all he did was put his head down. I mean, it, if that's your instinct, dude, like you don't have very much fighter's instinct. So, so I don't, I don't rate Askren's chances very good. Um, but like I said, it's progression for uh, Jake Paul. You know. So is it safe to say that if you were to make a bet, you would bet on Jake Paul beating Ben Askren? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I know a lot of MMA guys are like offended when people say Jake Paul's going to beat Ben Askren. Jake Paul's going to knock the shit out of Ben Askren. He's going to knock him out. But um, but um, I think that uh, it's still progression. Again, you, you have to look at the progression of the fighter. And I still think Jake Paul is still progressing. Honestly, after this, he probably needs to fight a boxer. But somebody that you know you can make some sort of uh of matchup where it's not too dangerous for him you can't just fight a boxer who's currently fighting uh maybe um an x light heavyweight type you know um who's you know who's in that uh, who's in, kind of in that realm um hasn't fought but maybe had a reputation because jake also needs kind of the other opponent to be kind of known you know so so um so i think he you know, he can't just go fight a journeyman because, you know, Jake might lose to a random journeyman, you know, like you know, uh, anybody who's boxed might have a chance to beat him. So, so you still need to put him in with somebody with some kind of rec- recognition so that, so that just in case he gets beat, it's, uh, it's not, it's not totally a shocking thing for people to be like, who the hell is this guy? You know? Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of, and on the note of Triller, uh, they just won the bid uh, to stage the Teofimo, his title defense coming up. And I believe they put in a bid for $6 million, which beats matchroom boxing and top rank. What do you make of Teofimo kind of hopping on Triller now? Um, You know, it's, if they're paying you, you know, that's what you got. That's what you got to do. You know, you, you feel much, you feel very appreciated when you see people be willing to pay that kind of money. Um, they outbid Matchroom and Top Rank combined. I think Matchroom and Top Rank's bid combined didn't match Triller's, Triller's bid. So that's how much Triller believes in themselves and believes in their ability to market this fight with uh, Tofimo against, let's face it, an opponent who's solid as an IBF contender, but is, uh, is not very well known uh, to where you would think a, a, and your average boxing promoter would pay this kind of money. Now, though, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Triller has to have a good game plan here because we've seen this before we've seen a lot of millionaires come into boxing throwing money left and right trying to show off how big how big uh, how big daddy they are so to speak how big, big willy style so to speak and they're sure they want to make a name for themselves and while in a lot of businesses that impresses people in boxing that tends not to be so impressive it makes the fighters happy for the moment but in boxing if you don't have a long-term plan and you're just coming and throwing money you just think opportunity is going to present themselves just because you're throwing money around you're going to lose money we've already seen that with 50 cent We've already seen that with a Jay-Z trying, trying their hand at this. They all came in throwing big money around. I remember 50 Cent came in signing Yorkis Gamboa for a lot of money. And uh, Andre Durrell for a lot of money. Then I remember uh, Jay-Z and Rock Nation coming in and signing Andre Ward and Miguel Cotto for a bunch of money. And then that was it. They overpaid for, the, for, the, for their product. They didn't get what they, want, what they needed out of it. And then they suddenly tried to pull back and try to do it right. But by then, you've made a fool of yourself. Nobody respects you. And the people in boxing that have their foundations now start to surpass you again. You were, you got ahead for a quick second. You sprinted in a marathon. So after a couple of miles, you were already behind again, even though you thought you were ahead. So you didn't pace yourself right. So here's hoping that Triller understands this and sees the mistakes of the past of people like this, because Triller seems like an entertainment company, not just a boxing company. And they can then 
continue this assault on the business of boxing and really stamp themselves as a legitimate uh, uh, brand in, in, within boxing and not just the Johnny come lately who throws a bunch of money in it and then loses it all. Yeah, you, you're taking the words out of my mouth. They're the new kids on the block. What is the successful formula? You come out with a bang. You get Roy Jones Jr. You get Mike Tyson. Jake Paul is there. He's like the co-main with this against Nate Robinson. Now you're bumping him up as the main draw for this thing. You're going from Mike Tyson. It can only go down. Or do you think they sustain it? You think it goes up? What is the successful formula here? I mean, I don't think it has to go up per se, but I think you have to you have to sort of at least do similar numbers or, 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 or at least show that you're making a, a you're making um, uh, a profit off these shows. You know, um, you can't go from making the, the amount, massive amount of profit you made off the Tyson thing. And then all of a sudden you're just losing money left and right in these kind of shows. You know, um, that's what you can't do because those are the mistakes of everybody else that the, the, the newcomers have made before the newcomer millionaires have made before. So, so I think you need to have that consistency. I think what I'm seeing here, they're trying to mix and match their, entrance into boxing with legitimate boxing but at the same time still bringing in this celebrity boxing type type brand this youtube boxing type brand you know they're trying to kind of keep it in the middle you know um and i and i and i I don't think that's necessarily a bad plan as long as they're budgeting it correctly and they're not overpaying we're gonna find out you know um personally telfimo is for me must watch tv and professional boxing he's explosive he's very very skilled he can knock anyone out at any time but he's not one of these rough rugged guys who's just throwing bombs and you know trying to land them like say a Maidana. Tofimo actually knows how to set you up and is very very skilled behind having that that explosive power so I think he's must watch TV personally but I think that Triller understands that superstar boxers are not always crossover material and they need to build that so you don't need to build Tofimo into a star in boxing he's already star in boxing what Tofimo needs you to do is build him into a crossover star like where Jake Paul is trying to get I mean where Jake Paul is and on the flip side Jake Paul is trying to legitimize himself to the boxing fans where he has already legitimacy to the crossover fans. So they're taking two guys who kind of need what the other one has and they're branding it sort of together, I guess, because they're doing two different shows with them. Right. And uh, we'll see if what they can, what, what, how they can kind of mesh together those kind of brands. And I think that's what their, their angle is to the, to promoting boxing. They're not sticking to one side or the other. I think they're going to with both and picking and choosing what they, what they really can do. So let's talk about some traditional boxers, some great ones. Uh, Canelo Alvarez, I think he's being linked to Billy Joe Saunders for the next fight. Then what do you do with a, a Caleb Plant and a David Benavidez? Are you going to match those guys up? You're going to have them wait for Canelo? Obviously, you know all I about think, the politics. What what would what would you do? What would you do, Paulie? I think, here's the thing. I, I think the a great fight would be Benavidez and Plant in the meantime. I really do, and they're both yeah. at PBC. I don't see why that that fight can't be made. Um, that's he's the problem with boxing. You know, it's funny. We're on the 50th anniversary of the uh, of the fight tonight, right? Uh, the, the Ali Frazier fight, right? And I, I always, and I, this is an amazing fight. You can't say enough good things about it. But I always blame this fight for people looking for that old versus old super fight because they started comparing records once that fight happened. Prior to that fight, great fighters fought great fighters. They were regardless of the records, regardless of bosses, because people just knew they were great fighters and more educated fans. But in having had this promotion, old versus old, champion versus champion, and then the fight lived up to the expectation. It's like everybody's been trying to match this kind of thing ever since then. And so suddenly you had reason for fighters to protect their records and trying to because they don't want to ever be out of the sweepstakes of a fight like this. So Benavidez and Plant, they're in the Canelo sweepstakes. They want to be in this super fight with Canelo. So now Canelo's taking on Saunders, a great fight. But now what happens? Are you going to make Benavidez and Plant? As the promoter, you should make Benavidez and Plant. PBC should make Benavidez and Plant because they have both fighters and there's no reason not to make it. 
But Al Heyman sometimes cares too much about his fighters. I mean, in my experience, that I've dealt with him, he he really wants you to get there, and he's not, he's looking at it more from a from a human perspective than from a from a sporting and business perspective. You know, so he may actually just keep Benavidez and Plant away from each other, knowing that they're always in the Canelo sweepstakes. Because if one knocks the other one off, then you're eliminating one from the Canelo sweepstakes, and that's kind of ruining the sporting aspect of it, even though it's even though it's uh, it's uh, commendable from a human perspective. But, you know, fans are fickle, man. You know, this is a business of boxing and, you know, you, you make your money by taking risks. So, you know, I personally, as a fan, I love to see Benavides and Plant in the meantime, while Canelo and Saunders take each other on and then the winners can fight. I'd love to see that as a fan. Do I have faith in that, that being the case of it happening? No, I don't really have that much faith in it. Well, switching gears a bit, but on the note of Canelo, I was reading reports that Canelo's trainer, Eddie Reynoso, he um, has offered to train Conor McGregor ahead of his trilogy fight against Dustin Poirier whenever that does get announced. So what what do you make of Conor and Dustin? And did you watch their rematch? I saw the fight. Um, I don't know that Reynolds can help Connor in such a short period of time. I think it's more just like a, a media, a media type thing, or you know, because Reynolds is the hot trainer of the moment, and um, and uh, you know, any connection with McGregor and Reynolds, the hot trainer of the moment against McGregor, who's always a hot commodity, you kind of just build headlines, you know. So from a headline building perspective, okay, I get it. Don't get me wrong, can uh, McGregor's striking coaches, whatever they're called in MMA, are horrible. They're basically just cheerleaders. I was in that camp. They are, they are horrible. They're horrible. They don't know anything at all. The things they were working on were ridiculously stupid, completely out of the, out of the ordinary, and would never work at all. Um, but especially in a real boxing match. But I don't know how you can kind of link the thing together in one training camp, and especially does Adrian also have any experience with stand-up fighters in MMA? It's I think it's too much to overcome. I think it would be more of a media-friendly type of blitz headline uh, grabbing uh, clickbait type of thing then it would be any real benefit benefit to mcgregor um in that way in that regard personally you think we've seen the best of conor mcgregor are, are his best days behind him yeah i think so i think so i mean i don't i don't um i don't think uh i mean i i don't think you could ever put him in the great category to begin with he was a marketable guy who knew how to sell himself well but i don't I don't think he accomplished enough to, to really be called great. I mean, you've got these guys, you know, you got guys like, you know, George St. Pierre, you know, the, uh, the original champions, like, uh, what Royce Gracie was accomplishing, um, guys like Chuck Liddell, who were really had a little longevity in the sport. You know, those are greats of them, of the mixed martial arts world, you know? Um, and, and probably some other names that I've, 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 uh, I've not mentioned, uh, Anderson Silva, you know, McGregor spent more time self-promoting and he did it really good than he actually did winning. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I just don't see the consistency of a winner there, you know, and, and, the, and a lot of bad questionable losses too, right? You got Nate Diaz was partying 10 days before in Mexico coming in and stopping you. You've got, um, you know, Dustin Poirier, who three to one on the dog coming in and knocking you out. God, I don't know. It, it just, you know, lo looking at the leg kicks, the way he reacted to Poirier's leg kicks, it makes me feel like he was extremely, extremely fortunate to get Aldo out of there early. Now looking at the way he takes leg kicks or lack of the way he takes leg kicks because all those leg kicks are absolutely vicious. So, I mean, it makes me realize how fortunate he was to, you know, I wouldn't call it lucky because, you know, Aldo did walk into the punch, but I mean, it was extremely fortunate that he got Aldo out of there early because it wouldn't have been too many, he wouldn't have needed too many leg kicks to change his mindset. Because if you look at the McGregor-Poye fight, McGregor's trying to sell him 
that he's the boss. He comes out at the bell. He's trying to come out at the bell right before the bell even rings. And the referee has to tell him to go back to his corner. He's playing the psychology role there. He's trying to make like he's ready to fight. He's coming right at you. And the bell rings and he gets right in Poirier's face. A couple of leg kicks. And as usual, the bitch comes out of the guy. You know, so so I I think that it wouldn't have took long for the bitch to come out of him. And in the, in the Aldo fight, had the fight even gotten to last about a minute, you know, where a couple of leg kicks could have been thrown and landed by Aldo. It's unfortunate for Aldo. It's fortunate for McGregor. Granted, he did what he had to do to make the fight lead up to, to an occasion like that happening. And then he took advantage of the moment when it presented itself. But nonetheless, I don't think this spells greatness. You know, um, solid fighters know how to take advantage of opportunities. But great fighters have longevity. This guy is not a great fighter. I don't think he ever was. So do I think that we've seen the best of him? I don't think the best of him was ever that good. But yeah, I do think we've seen the best of him. Well, when uh, Connor and Dustin have that trilogy, how do you see that one playing out? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think Connor knows what he has at this point he needs to win. You know, at this point, you know, because um, Connor doesn't even have the excuse of saying like, okay, you're past your prime. Like you haven't really been winning a fight in like four years. So you were what, 28, four years ago. Now you're 32. These are supposed to be your prime years where you legitimized your legacy. Instead, you spent these four years getting the shit beat out of you almost every fight. So um, it's, it's, it's hard to legitimize a legacy when all you're doing is getting your ass kicked during the years where you're legitimizing yourself because the years prior to 28 to 32, you're getting there to, to the championship level. Then from 28 to 32, you're legitimizing yourself as a, as a champion. And then that's where your legacy is really made. So he got to the championship level, but the years where he was supposed to legitimize greatness, I mean, did he really do anything? No, he didn't barely do a thing. He actually did more damage, more negative than positive, but because he's a good salesman and because we live in the idiot generation of, of, of human, of mankind, you know, everybody bought into it, but um, I, I think he ha- he, he's going to be motivated for the, for the Poirier fight, but I'm telling you, I, t- I speak from experience. No matter how motivated you get once your mind is not in the sport completely, once you take a couple of hard shots, you don't react to them the same way. Not to say that you start wobbling, but you just don't like the feeling anymore. You just don't like the feeling of going through the pain anymore. And I don't think McGregor ever had this to begin with, because let's face it, he quit against Nate Diaz before any greatness was any, any ultra ultra greatness was ever thrown on him to begin with. He was already quitting in the Diaz fight where he still had a lot to accomplish and he had no problem quitting in the Diaz fight. Anything afterwards to say, okay, okay. He made a lot of money. This and that. Before the Diaz fight, nah, man, you still had a lot to accomplish and you knew it and you still decided to quit. So I think the bitch was always there in him. So if the bitch was always there in him, I don't think it's ever going to, I don't think it's going to take a lot to take him there again, no matter how hard he wants to stay motivated. Cause now as you get older, you want to deal with less, less uh, negativity in a fight. You, you don't get older and get hungrier. You get older and you kind of mellow out and you kind of, kind of fade away into retirement. So no matter how much you commit to yourself, I'm telling you. So, so he may be, be all motivated and ready to go here, but a couple of good leg kicks again, maybe a good, a good shot by, by Poye, just Poye cementing, himself in, in, in early in that fight or, or doing something in that fight where he can overcome some kind of maybe early advantage McGregor has. And I think McGregor, the doubts will creep in again and you're going to see him do what he always does and or look for a way out of the fight. So, so I don't know. I mean, unless you get a McGregor, a fight for McGregor where he's able to dominate it without controversy, I don't see him. I don't see, I don't see McGregor ever overcoming negativity. I don't, I've never seen it and I don't see it in this fight. So if he can get Poye the advantage over Poye early and keep that advantage. Okay. Typical bully mentality. As soon as you punch him in the mouth, he's looking for a way out of the fight. He's a front runner.
The last time we saw you in action was BKFC. Uh, you crossed over from boxing there. Someone who crossed over from MMA into BKFC recently was Paige Van Zandt. Uh, she didn't get the result she was looking for. Um, you didn't get the result you were looking for. What advice would you give to her moving forward? And did you see some good skill set out of her in her debut? Yeah, I mean, I thought I won my fight easily, even though I fought it one-handed. I, I think shots landed are what counts in a striking sport, and I, I easily I landed um, lob off three to one, regardless of, you know, cutting on my face or whatnot, easily, easily. The, the landed punches weren't even close. But um, with Van Zandt, actually, I didn't think Van Zandt was too bad, you know? I just, I think Van Zandt was kind of lost in the mix because she's learning this boxing style when she's used to the MMA style, right? So Van Zandt had a nice little window, so to speak. She had a nice little stance, good good balance, uh, solid fundamental um, footwork. But it seemed like she was a little bit too bouncy. And when you're a bouncy fighter, you have to know how to fight off that bounce, right? So she didn't know how to, she hadn't learned yet how to kind of flow smoothly from that bounce into the fight, into the action and striking, you know, you, so she, she, it looked like she was either trying to fight or trying to bounce, trying to fight or trying to bounce. You have to kind of find that middle ground where you, you smoothly transition right from one and back to the other and back into one and back to the other. The girl she fought wasn't so super skilled. Uh, was it Britain Hart? Was it, was it Britain Hart? Was it, was like, was her name? What was the girl that paid for it? I don't want to disrespect her. What was her name? Yeah. Britain Hart. Yeah. Yeah. So Bret Hart deserves credit for the win. Um, I, I didn't feel like Brit had the fundamentals at her, be- at her best, but she was, she kind of knew that you just have to fight through. You just have to fight, you know, whether it's pretty or not, you just have to fight. I felt like Paige was trying to do it too correctly, too perfectly. And she kind of got caught in that no man's land where she didn't know how to set up the punches off her movement, off her boxing. I think, I think she's a work in progress, honestly. If she can, she just has to find that little niche. It just all, it's not even a lack of skill. It's a lack of experience in doing that. So I think if she, I would like to see a rematch personally. And, uh, and I think that if she's able to fill in that little missing link there, um, I think her fundamentals get her through in that fight, you know, because she has good fundamentals. Uh, I thought better fundamentals than Hart, but Hart, uh, was hungry and she was throwing punches any which way she could. And, uh, and I think that ultimately made the difference in the fight, which, uh, she, she fought like she fought a little bit hungrier while Paige was trying to look too perfect. Well, for your fans though, like they want to know what have you been up to lately? Vacations. <laughs> 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 I've, been, I've been, I've been in Italy. Uh, I've been in my place in Florida, I'm in New York. Now um, I'm just kind of chilling. I, I, uh, I started to do some light work with uh, a promotional company in England called boxer. I, I do a podcast for them. I just started that. Um, doing some, you know, some, some little work with them. They're an up and coming uh, company in England that I've done commentating gigs with them in, in the past. And uh, I've been with them, you know, since they started, uh, they were like in the embryonic stages and you know, they've developed. So they're, they're, uh, they've been good people. And uh, even when everything happened with me, they were like, no, we want to keep you, you know, you've been part of our brand. We want to, you know, involve you in some way, maybe even a little bit more now that you might have free time. So I don't know, I'm, I'm, I've done some work with them and they're good people. And um you know, I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open, see what's out there, but I'm not, uh, I'm not really looking to bend over backwards to, to go back to work unless it's on my terms, you know? So, so, uh, you know, if, if, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. People ask me all the time about commentating and whatnot, but if you're looking for my, for commentating skills, then, you know, you got them with me. But if you're looking for somebody who is going to commentate for you and then also share your personal opinions of certain things, that have nothing to do with boxing, well, then you got the wrong guy. You know, you're, you're trying to buy me and, and I can't be bought. So from that perspective, um, 
I don't see myself working as a commentator that consistently, maybe I like on freelance stuff, you know, random little shows, but, uh, I think, um, doing stuff with boxer right now has been good. Um, actually BKFC has, has caught up to my attention as well. Um, the, to fight, uh, Luis Palomino for the title for the championship, which if it wasn't, if it was, if Listen, BKFC paid me well, and obviously, I think they, they would they would offer me good money again. But it would have to be more than money. It would have, um, and Palomino has a championship, you know. So for me to be able to kind of add that add that feather on my hat, if 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 the deal can be worked out right, I'm open to that as well. Uh, Palomino is a great fighter, and he won the tournament uh, to win that championship. So he's not just a guy who just has a random championship. So for me, uh, to be able to you know pick up some kind of other accolade like that uh, in combination with the accolades I've accomplished in my career, that would be kind of a cool thing to kind of finish up on. And I could do it all in one night, you know? Uh, so, so if that presents itself, um, it's definitely something that interests me. Other than that, like I said, I'm not bending over backwards um, to do anything. I'm, and I'm probably looking to exit combat sports altogether in the next couple of years. And whether that be boxing, uh, commentating, fighting or anything, I'm probably looking to exit the entire scope of, of that together but that is that is all um hinging on of course some some other moves i've made out of the ring where if they work out financially i'm set and then and then i don't have to work on i don't have to worry about working for anybody well on the note of the palomino fight though when they did present the offer to you what was the date of that offer was it for a later this year or when would that fight take place um, no it wasn't um it wasn't for a um uh, it wasn't for a date. There was no date set. It was just um, early the, discussions, early discussions to see if there was any interest more so than anything else, you know, because there Got was um, Palomino was also looking for a name opponent. He's done the hard work. He's 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 won the tournament. He's won the title. Um, so now he's looking to you know be able to cash in on, on what he's accomplished, rightfully so. So he was looking for a fighter that you know can generate more attention to the fight and uh, uh, the fight can be built around, you know. So so I, I get where they're coming from from his end too, you know. Um, so that's why it was presented to me if I would uh, be willing to consider it. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that's what it was. It was no date or anything. It wasn't it wasn't it never got that far into discussions because I still have to think about it. I need a you know a formal offer and uh, I need to see if I can schedule the training camp time, which now I probably could since I have more time on my hands, not working so much, you know. But um, We'll, we'll see. It's not anything that is written in stone or uh, something that guaranteed to happen. There still has to be a lot of steps that would have to progress if that was to happen. And in the meantime, I'm also working on other things. So who knows, you know, if something else happens that keeps me busy, then you know, that kind of goes off the table. But again, the, the Palomino fight interests me for the specific reason that it, it would be for the championship. And that would be a cool thing to try to accomplish uh, to kind of close out my combat, uh, my combat fighting career. You know? So we should uh, kind of, Put that out there, right? That yeah. you're so interested in that. Yeah, yeah, you guys can put it out there. Yeah, it's not a problem at all. You know, I've uh, I've uh, I've spoken to uh, Dave Feldman. Um, I've actually been approached by Celebrity Boxing as well. Uh, Celebrity Boxing actually wanted to make me try to wanted my permission to try to sell me as uh, the next guy on the Jake Paul uh, hit list. You know, <laughs> but I was like. I don't know how that works. He's kind of like a big guy, you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to get sanctioned. And they were like, well, you know, it's, uh, if you have, uh, you know, he's kind of progressing. So you're like a retired fighter. You didn't have a, you weren't a big knockout puncher. So it's not a risk to hurt him too badly. But at the same time, you have legitimacy as a champion, but you're smaller. So he's bigger. So there's advantages for both sides and it can be sold. So I was like, I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. Who's, I don't know. I don't know that Jake is yet ready to fight a, a, a real legitimate, even ex-boxer. I think he's kind of, 
got to progress uh, where he's going, you know. Um, but I think he's got a smart team around him because the, the choices they've made as opposition have been really, really astutely chosen, both from a promotional standpoint and from an ability standpoint, you know. While his brother Logan's trying to fight Floyd and that thing's getting put off and uh, eventually yeah. it's going to happen, we think. There's no weight divisions there. We're talking like 50, 60 pounds between the two guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I guess because, and I guess you have to kind of legitimize the fight in some way. So that's, that's how you legitimize the fight between there's the massive skill set difference. So you legitimize it by, hey, one guy's a lot bigger than the other one, you know? And I guess, um, I guess uh, uh, these, um, these, um, state uh, athletic commissions would probably sa still sanction it because of the fact that there's a massive skill set difference, but the weight maybe would, 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 um, would uh, make up for that. You know, the weight difference would make up for that in the other, in the weight difference in the other direction. So I don't know. I mean, like I said, these are just things, you know, things pop up on my lap, but you know, you know, they're, to, they're to be considered and whatnot, you know, you have options and that's never a bad thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bit, especially today with the, uh, some people less fortunate. So I'm always, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to, uh, you know, have options and uh, always be, be dealing with good people. I don't want to be dealing with uh, headaches and stuff like that. And so, you know, the people that I've, I've been dealing with, um, you know, not to say that my time at Showtime wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, very uh, appreciated, but it was, I, I really uh, had a, a solid experience there working there the years I had it there, but, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to live with, something on the back of my head, like, oh, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if this happens? You know, so I like to be able to get up in the morning and not have this weight on my on my back, just have be able to be relaxed and kind of uh, go about things uh, the way I want to and not have to worry so much. So, so um, you know, if things, if things progress in one way or another, then, uh, you know, we'll see. There's possibilities or I just keep doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> we'll see. Anything's possible right now. It's a good note to add on. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time and hopping into the Schmo Zone podcast, episode 58. Polly Malinaji, thank you. For sure, man. My pleasure.